Frog Gaming Podcast. You are joined by your usual hosts. We've got Tom. Hello. Your backup in the pecking order. I don't know why. I don't know what what happens to do this. I've got. We've got uh, Ryan. Hello. And myself, Josh. How are we doing, Ryan? See that what? smooth way of positioning the question mm. towards a specific person without highlighting that I did it. I still think there's Except a little bit of... Except you just highlighted it. Yeah. yeah, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just looking a, for some praise, all right? still think there's a little bit of favouritism, Josh, so I uh, praise withhold until then. Uh, <laughs> now I'm doing all right. I have been... uh had a couple of uh, RPGs this week. No, Again, no tabletops due to uh, conflicting schedules, but mm. I've been... I actually took, took a wee look at some of the games that we saw in the... Um, the Ennies here the, the last week. Oh yes, yeah. So I've uh, got a couple of them bookmarked for uh, basically whenever a slot opens up in my local game. Uh, nice rotation. So have you have you read through any of them or like what are your initial impressions? Um, I read through Historic, which uh, basically caught me because of the the art style. Uh, yeah. it's sort of like a feudal uh, RPG system. That I've I've not. Dove, dove too deeply into like the minutiae of it. I've just went. That looks cool. That looks cool. That looks cool. Mm-hmm. And I've just uh, basically whenever a slot appears on the horizon, I'll start researching a bit closer to the time. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Um, Tom, how has your week been? Um, yeah, I've not actually done a lot of gaming this week. Um, I I would have had a game on Tuesday, but I was in the office. Uh, I work from home. I think I've mentioned that before, mm-hmm. uh, but I had to actually go into the office, and it's just knackering. Uh, so by the time I got home, I was basically the Walking Dead. So <laughs> that that didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, and then on Wednesday, uh, Ryan and I were in the same Pathfinder game, mm-hmm. and Ryan and I, funnily enough, were two characters that were separate from the rest of the party, and had about thirty minutes of screen time. Yeah. Of screen time, and then. That was us, pretty much. Like to the point that I actually like. I don't normally mind sitting and watching other people play, mm-hmm. but I was like, I'm gonna go. Like, I'm gonna... I mean, it's it can be challenging, I suppose, as a GM when the the part like the party does decide to split. Is kind of like, how do you do that? Because I think the way I would try and do it would be like, well, my my gut feeling for the right way of doing it would be. Okay, we're gonna go to Tom and Ryan for uh, a little bit, play through a, like a small encounter, and then we're at a convenient point, hop over to the other group in the sort of a sort of meanwhile back at the ranch. So yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily think the GM did anything wrong. It's, it's yeah. not a critique. It's quite a large party. It's a six-person right. party, uh, which I don't really run anymore. I tend to stick to four and five. Um, but when you've got four of your party in one place and two in another, uh, you know, just the logic dictates, yeah, mm-hmm. that, you know, yeah. more time's going to go to the, the majority. So it's not a critique. It was just the fact that we didn't have a lot of, a lot of time. Uh, mm-hmm. so hence a reduction in, in how much gaming I did. The, the discussion of, of dealing with split groups is discussion worthy. 
because mm. um, it is difficult uh, to manage it uh, and you want to kind of make sure everybody's engaged and everybody's excited and jumping yeah. back and forth can be quite ch- challenging to manage engage especially yeah. when you've got like situations where one half's in combat and one half's not and stuff like that can get really messy yeah i mean it's uh, you know the, the the common advice is uh, never split the party but to be honest you have to do it at times uh um, yeah, I was going to say, like, we've had uh, two instances in the Star Wars RP uh, recently that mm-hmm. a split party was the only real way to go about it. Yeah. Uh, well, one was one was for definite, the other one was more flavour. Uh, for example, when uh, Josh was split from the party trying to fix the engines of the ship, mm-hmm. and we, uh, we were on a ticking clock, we only had a certain amount of time left, but we, you know, a lot of our screen time there was travelling to the next place we needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, um, uh, so that's one way to, um, help things along. Like whilst the, this person is doing this one thing, the other players are not up to much of import, but they're still being checked in on, mm-hmm. uh, versus the split land and space combat that we, uh, that we partook in, in the hangars as well, um, which, Everyone was in turn order. Everyone was involved. It was still a bit of a, a mess to yeah. uh, to deal with, um, but it still worked because everyone was still doing the same thing. Uh, I think that was that was partially the the problem with the space land combat split. Uh, this is referring to Star Wars, just to give a bit of context. Yes, the the FFG system. Uh, the problem with that wasn't so much having a split in space and land combat. It's the fact that as a group and as a GM, we aren't particularly confident with the space combat rules. I mean, we're, I wouldn't even say we're overly confident with the land combat rules, but like comparatively, um, the, the space combat rules are, are a little bit more... They're not even more complex. They're just not as, as simple and they're not as, we haven't used them as much. Mm-hmm. So whilst they, they share a lot of similarities with ground combat, which is why you can kind of run the two in tandem... Um, it, it they're they're also different enough, and there's enough nuance to them that it's not a simple, you know, you could just jump back and forth without any kind of uh adaption between the two. Uh, you do require sort of like a mental gear shift between mm. turns to comprehend what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I still I still don't entirely understand the space combat rules. To be honest, it's some we've I mentioned to you guys in our chat. Mm-hmm. that we've got a space combat at the start of the next session uh and i I've, i need to have a read up and i've encouraged you guys just to have a refresher over the the space combat rules because mm-hmm. of uh how subtly different they are to jump back to kind of what you were saying about the the adage though about don't split the party i don't always agree with that and i i think there's two reasons that people advise that mm-hmm. one is party balance right if you if you split your party you've only got half your strength or a quarter your strength or whatever it is and the other is obviously what we've discussed there managing people being in different locations and giving everyone approximately the same amount of screen time and stuff yeah the latter you know the the screen time i think is a fair criticism uh, i only think the former is applicable in games like D pathfinder things that have challenge ratings mm. uh of, of some variety uh like if you look at a game like call of cthulhu star wars to a lesser extent um there's a myriad of other games that that i've kind of played as well 
splitting the party is in some instances necessary if not encouraged mm-hmm. you know to, to to do the things you need to do and the other thing is as well if you've got let's take call of cthulhu for example mm-hmm. let's say you've got a murder mystery type game you know be it a cthulhu mythos or pulp uh mm-hmm. sort of uh, noir setting whatever it sometimes just doesn't make sense for everyone to go to one place when it's like say you've got one guy who's a cop right he's not gonna take you know the the billionaire playboy with him to the murder scene yeah uh, unless you know that, that he's got something to contribute so if you can have that guy go off and do something that that gives his character a, a chance to shine mm-hmm and you could divide that screen time and give them stuff to do, I don't think there's an issue with splitting the party. The problem becomes with, like, dungeon crawls, and Josh has experienced this firsthand when we did the TPK in the pirate game, the Mm -hmm. ill-fated pirate game a few years back, where when the party don't have singular focus, the the encounters aren't balanced for, you know, only half the party being there or the party fighting two encounters at once or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you can't, as a GM, they are much trickier to adapt on the fly like if you if you go you know my party walking into this room if you've got six goblins in there you could chop that in half and go there's only three goblins that's a nice thing to be able to adapt but if you've got one or two monsters yeah in there you might not have that same ability to to adapt that in any kind of logical way and you kind of it's a weird one because part of me kind of wants to go I, i want my players to have a good time i want them to do what they want to do i don't want to punish them for making a decision but at mm-hmm. the same time i also want the the setting or the dungeon to have a sort of reality to it yeah. you know yeah so like you're not gonna say oh there are instead of one like otug for the sake of example there's two lesser otugs spread out across the dungeon yeah mm-hmm. yeah like, you know two separate places and... yeah it's like we have a weaker we have a weaker stat block don't ask yeah, it's it's one of the big issues I have, especially I, I run a lot of pre-written content, but I mm. tend to run, especially in D and D and Pathfinder, I tend to run smaller modules rather than than campaigns. I have done campaigns. I'm, do, I'm doing a D and D one right now mm-hmm. because I find if you do smaller modules, it's easier to adapt, sure. both for, from a workload perspective and in the long term because you're not having to to maintain a, a whole campaign of of content. Mm-hmm. You can adapt one module, make your small changes that you need to, and then move on. But like I remember when I ran Carrion Crown for Pathfinder, it's it's very uh, sort of it's linear. It kind of goes from A to B to C, yeah. um, storyline wise. And my players kind of grumbled that they couldn't really deviate. They they felt like they were kind of they on had the rails, to follow this yeah. specific chain. Otherwise, there was just, and they were right. Like you know, I could I could make concessions, and I could try and like adapt the timeline to make sure they were in the right mm-hmm. places at the right time, or you know, they were able to play catch up. But you were kind of always being sort of pushed along the rail track to get to where you needed to go, and you couldn't really deviate. And there wasn't much I could do to adapt areas, you know. So that made like splitting the party and doing mm-hmm. things they wanted to do a lot less fluid than it would be in in mm. some other settings so to get to my point in a very long and roundabout way i do think don't split the party is very much applicable to games like D and pathfinder but not so much to some other systems although i think that's why it's such an ingrained thought in the tprpg players because like the majority of people will start with a pathfinder or a D or 
a dungeon crawly type uh, yeah. setting. So like that will be a lesson that is ingrained quite early. Mm-hmm. Uh, even you know, like I started playing with like more you know people who'd been playing for a good few years before me, uh, and that was something that you know like I learned maybe session two when we weren't even in a dungeon was don't split the party. Um, so there was you know if, to Tom's point like the murder mystery example, there's there's a difference between like interrogating a witness, you know, separate from the, from the group or having five people stood in a semicircle around this one person asked, each asking individual mm. questions. Like, it's all well and good that you're all keeping each other safe and keeping each other nearby, but, you know, that that can sort of, like, throw off the the uh, rhythm of the interrogation. Yes. And and that's a fair point that you make, because you, you, you don't really get that spotlight moment as a player if you are with the entire group. You might do on, mm. on occasion. You know, but you you need to have a, generally a very giving group that are going to take optionally take a back seat in a scene that they are physically in. Whereas if you're on your own or in a small group, you know, one or two people, you have a, a much bigger opportunity for that. And some of my favourite moments as a player and as a GM have been situations where a player or a character has been on their own in a in a situation and they've had to find a way to deal with it because you don't have the versatility that you have when you've got everybody at yeah. the table. You've got to rely on your own abilities or a very diminished pool of abilities. Um, and, you know, you have to make decisions that you might not have made if you were the group. Like a, a classic one that I, I always remember really well is, is when I was at university and we played Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. Mm-hmm. Um, my character that I played for, for a very, very long time was uh, basically on his own doing something really innocuous. You're going from A to B. Like, I can't even remember what he was doing. It was that so, so long ago. But he got cornered in an alley by by a group of, of thugs. Uh, and I knew, because Warhammer Fantasy is a very brutal combat system, mm-hmm. even as quite an accomplished character, I knew if he goes toe-to-toe with, like, two or three guys, it's a good chance he doesn't walk away from that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, I was talking to these guys, and I was quite sort of socially started up, and I was... So I said to the GM, I'm going to kind of blether them. I'm just going to try and distract them. Smoke and mirrors it. And he just kind of rambles on. And then he's kind of bragging. And he says, oh, well, you know, you're forgetting one thing. And they're like, what's that? And he points behind them. And as soon as they turn around, he just ran in the opposite direction. (laughs) Uh, Which is such a simple thing. But the the GM and the the players at the table at the time loved it. Because it it was just, you know, a funny character moment just the punchline um, to this like long rambling braggadocious statement yeah and you just wouldn't get that with a, a big group you know because it you know exactly what's going to happen in that scenario the the charismatic character blethers turns and runs away and then half the party is still stood behind them in the alleyway yeah. and you know just and you probably wouldn't need to anyway because you'd have the great numbers so i yeah. do think there is a strength to splitting the party it just needs to be done with consideration really sparingly and with consideration i agree yeah yeah and we've had our first topic of today's podcast i'm conscious we spent 15 minutes on that it's all good it's all good well Um, done uh, yeah this is what we aim for (laughs) so um i've had a good week (laughs) oh yeah josh how's your week been yeah no Um, one asks (laughs) i would normally ask but i was taking a drink because i just had my big spiel i know you do i know you do buddy so no, um, I have. I'm just back from an overnight stay down in York, which was where I studied. Um, just visiting there for the first time in years. Um, How was it? 
it was fantastic. Great weather. Uh, if anyone's ever been to York, you'll know like the the there's so many good bars and pubs around there. Fantastic food as well. Uh, tabletop gaming related. Ooh. I did poke my head into Traveling Man uh, on uh, yesterday just to uh, have a look at its wares. Did you buy uh, anything? I did not buy anything. I was I was well behaved. So you uh, should be buying things. You're in, in a shop, mate. We had a whole episode about like, supporting brick and, and mortar stores, mortar, yeah. and you go into one and <laughs> browse. <laughs> hey, it's all good. It's at least at least at least I didn't bring my own food in. That's uh, true. That is very true. Yeah, just like walking in with like a half-open tub, just like all right, mate. Yeah. Just hey. taking a peek. Just um, sticky no. fingers all over their RPG books like a monster. Oh no! Oh, mm. there's, there's like. It's just gravy all over this. What's this? Yeah, why? Why would you do this? Um, kind of no, monster. you're right. I should have. I should have picked something up. But like in the moment, and I, I was conscious. I was with there with someone else who isn't into tabletop role playing games. So, that is absolutely like, fine. It's yeah. like, did you play what... it off like cool? Were you like, oh, this looks like an interesting shop. I'll just have a little look in here, and you're like, ah, no, just... not at all. What a uh, bunch of nerds, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> Not at all. What what no. is this Catan? I've never heard of. <laughs> Who are these settlers? So, no, uh, no, I did not go for that tactic because yeah. that would never work in a million years with me. So that's fair. I mean, that's a, that's a, a, a sort of guise that is going to drop fairly rapidly. Exactly. So, <laughs> just the so, image of like, oh, what is what do you sell here? Oh, cool. Can I get a pack of Nuka Pena, by the way, pal? <laughs> just, <Yeah. laughs> just, like, blow yourself out of the water as soon as you go and buy something. No, I just like the fact that Josh brings people back to his house. It's a bit of a Wizard of Oz situation. It's like, don't look behind the curtain. Like, yeah, I was, I was going to go with the Ace Ventura situation where he's, like, in the room with all the stuffed and mounted heads. Just, oh, like, the lovely spinning room of like, death. Yeah. Oh, what a lovely, what a lovely room of nerdage. <laughs> so what what actually prompted you to go to york in the first place was it literally just a trip down memory lane or did you have something specific you were going to do there uh it was just it oh fuck sorry i may as well start talking about it i, I, oh. I basically started seeing someone and we were wanting to yeah oh, shut up shut up josh has got right. a girlfriend <laughs> Well, Josh is the first person to openly admit it on the podcast. He's bright red. <laughs> Gail, Gail does occasionally listen to this podcast as well, so I'm looking forward to hearing her reaction to you guys. Gail, oh, I'm popular with her. Gail, yeah. rip piss out of them. Yeah, have um, at it. So anyway, so no, we were we were um, we were thinking it would be nice to go overnight somewhere. So okay, uh, that's good. I, I, we, Gail uh, is, is from Clyde Bank, lives down here in Carlisle. Um, My home country, actually. I'm oh, no, wait, right, I'll, add, I'll add your name to the list of, do you know such and such? <laughs> like, do you know Do you know the, the, the hermited guy from, like, Braidfield High School? I was like, no. All right, nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she hasn't seen much of England, so we were talking about nice spots in England to visit. I was like, well, York is lovely, so... That's that's why uh, I was down there with her. But I had a fantastic time back now. Um, so yeah. Uh, otherwise, mm-hmm. moving on uh, for gaming related stuff. Rather, um, no uh, one made you talk about your personal life. Don't yeah. act like you were put on a cross. <laughs> I felt. I felt. When you asked me why I was in York. You could have just said I just fancied going somewhere nice. I thought you might have like wanted to go to a specific museum or. Go and see like a show there or well, something. I got all flustered, didn't I? 
Oh. I got all flustered and now we're here. Something Thank new you, for Josh. Tom. <laughs> Don't blame me for you getting flustered. <laughs> Just because you can't keep your shit together doesn't make it my fault. Oh no, <laughs> fuck, I can't, I can't think straight. Ah, no. <laughs> it has to be somebody else's I'm, fault. I'm glad you had a nice time. Buddy. Yes, yeah, thank yeah. you. Anyway. I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Yeah. Thanks, guys. You're anyway, um, tabletop gaming related... Yes. I played the D and D on Tuesday uh, with uh, the guys from Tabletop Scotland. We're now leveled up to level seventeen. Ooh. Wow! Yeah, we, we fought a um, we fought a dread knight and an elf bard in the recent. I very nearly pulled off like a, a sweet uh, move by I, I ran up to the bard and right. s- managed to snatch a violin out of her hands and nice. started smashing the violin against the statue nearby, but it didn't so, break unfortunately. That is an that's an uneven sounding sorry even unevenly threatening sounding pair a dread knight and a bard. The the bard summoned the dread knight. Oh no! That, yeah, okay, yeah. That, that 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 makes up for it. Is this yeah. still descent into a bonus? Yes, right. We are. Um, we're, we're basically gathering the um, the the last soldiers, uh, basically of uh, the Hell Knights. To uh, we're leading up to a big showdown with Azrael, basically. I don't think that's a big plot spoiler for Avernus. Like, no, it's pretty much the whole premise. Yeah, no. Yeah. And this she's, she's your... on. She's on the front cover. <laughs> yeah, this is your like b- big barbarian dude, right? And you that, couldn't yeah. smash a violin. I yeah, I was quite surprised that the violin did not smash. Uh, I am I am putting it down to it being a magical violin. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. If it's magical, that's fine. Like I can smash a violin. And yeah. I am, I, not... I am I am putting that because I I uh, rolled. It was an athletics check versus her uh, dexterity to sure. snatch it out of her hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I rolled a straight strength check to smash it. And I can't remember what I got, but obviously I'm adding a lot to my strength checks and it was pretty yeah. high. So yeah. I don't... I Again, like I'm putting it down to the fact that it's a magical violin. Um, You've been playing this character since the beginning of Avernus, right? Yeah. Like, barbarians be hard to kill yeah surviving to level 17 and then i remember you're a barbarian so that <laughs> that whole point is moot yeah. yeah like um none of our characters have died actually we've oh, that's of... quite impressive yeah, yeah. we've uh we've, we've done pretty well on that front um, well touch wood yeah I've, uh, that's me tempting fate now tpk next session uh mm. <laughs> good game lads um on Wednesday, I had some of my pals over here to play some Magic the Gathering. I'm sorry Ooh. to hear that. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Two mixed responses there. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, I, I had some packs of Modern Horizons 2 uh, kicking around, so we cracked open them and drafted them. Uh, I got some really good cards in there as well. Didn't you I... say you were kind of off Magic, though, a few weeks ago? I, I had been, yeah, but... I was. I haven't seen a bunch of these guys in a little while, so I right. wanted to see them again. So I made a point of going right. Let's do that. And I had these packs sat on my shelf, like literally gathering dust for a mm. while. So I was like, I, I let's just open these and and let's uh, let's get it done. So I, I drafted a blue black uh, discard matters deck. So I was like filling up my graveyard for 
Um, I had creatures that uh, benefited from having like lots of things in my graveyard, or lots mm-hmm. of different things in my graveyard. Yeah. Uh, the winner of the night, though, was Chris, who tr- uh, drafted Squirrel Tribal. Uh, yep. uh, and the Squirrel deck is nuts. He even, no it, pun so intended. He even ha- There hey. we go. And that... And thank you very much for listening this week, guys. <laughs> You're not going to top that probably yeah. this year, so we may as well call yeah. it a day. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he, uh, he had the um, uh, Chatterfang, the Squirrel Commander, in mm-hmm. his deck as well. Which, I'm, because these were my packs, so I've kept all of the cards. Tempted You're... to build a Chatterfang deck now. I mean, there is a lot of support for it. It is terrifying the amount of squirrels you can generate in Commander. Yeah, I, I have a squirrel deck. True story. Nice. Yep. Nice. I do love it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but other I... than that, in the, the packs that I opened, I got three fetch lands, which are always worth something, so good yeah. to, to have. Uh, the big money card was a foil Urza Saga, which when I checked... Oh. Yeah, it was uh, old art, as the, sorry, the retro art Oh, the foil. retro foil, right. Yeah, okay. so that sells online anywhere between 70 and £90. Pounds. I managed uh, to snap yeah. it up when it was like 35 to 40 Nice. Uh, and it is like, I don't have a foil version of it, but I, I, am, I am tempted to like sell that one because it's in a deck I don't really play that often. I mean, I'm going to keep this because it's one of those cards that just Mm. goes into any commander deck. Because worst case scenario, you fetch a soul ring with it at the the end of its saga, and it's still fine. Do you know that's the thing about commander I don't like, is that there's like things that you pretty much have to have in commander decks. In the group that I play with, we sort of like go, right, what are the auto-includes? Like, Arcane Signet, Soul Ring... Get those out. You need, you know, get all the auto includes out of your deck and like just build a deck without those constraints because that is actually quite freeing in that you can still throw mana rocks in there and still have like uh, cards that are powerful in their own right, mm. but they're ta- they're tweaked and tailored to your deck specifically. Uh, the one thing that I've done in the past with. Um... A group was um, budget commander, so the the mm. commander deck can't be worth more than ten dollars. So it does mean that if you really want to put a soul ring in, you can. But soul ring's going to be a quarter of your deck's budget. Look, <laughs> so, look forward to playing. Uh, what was it, Ramirez, Ramirez Di Pietro, who's like two cents as a legendary commander? <laughs> yeah. Oh no. So to be fair, we uh, removed the the commander didn't count as part of the budget. Right. So it did mean that you could run whatever commander you wanted, but yeah. the ninety nine had mm-hmm. to be had to be worth uh, less than ten dollars. I did an Anafenza the foremost. Um, not sorry, no Anafenza the, the foremost the, is the white the one with the goat one. or the one with the spirit. Yeah, it's not the spirit. It's the one with the yeah. The, that's, the, that's the foremost. The, yeah. Yeah, the cha- goat chariots. Yeah. Yeah. Anafenza the goat most. Goat most, thank you. Yes, uh, I draft uh, like I built that based around uh, plus one plus one counters, as you um, do with yeah. with uh, with cans basically. The trouble is because it was a three color deck, like mm-hmm. mm, the mana was a bit because mm, you can't get... afford any of the good lands. <laughs> yeah, it does get a bit uh, ski with when you're when you're not uh, able to buy 
or use fetch lands or or anything yes. that is over a dollar <laughs> yeah but I'm, no i like your idea but effectively extending the ban list for commander yeah. to include things like sol ring and arcane signet so that you know you, you can be a bit more creative with what you're putting yeah. in your deck I've got like a stack of uh, arcane signets and soul rings that have been pulled out of like the precons that yes. I honestly don't know what to do with. <laughs> Sell them? Yeah, probably. They still go for a decent amount of money. Probably. Even though they get reprinted into oblivion. Mm. Anyway, that's how my week's been. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, do you know uh, what sounds really boring? Sure. Actually, working out how much a commander deck is worth. I. Do not want to do that. I don't want to know how much money I've spent on uh, my Laurel deck or my uh, my uh, what's my other one I normally play? My Hydra's deck. Yeah, um, I mean, I, it's, yeah. To be fair, when we were doing this ten dollar challenge, we were using a we- I can't remember the name of the website, but we were using a website like, that let uh, you build Magic a de- card market or something. Oh, okay. Something like that. So, like, as you're building the deck, you can see how much it is worth. Right, so it's okay, not that's... like. Okay, this is my deck. Does it come under ten dollars? Yeah, I thought you'd have to like sit and individually like look at each card. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I was like, that just sounds super boring. Or just in a hundred cards, uh, mm. trying to get it under ten dollars. I like, um, is it Pauper Commander? Yeah. Where you like, you only have like commons, commons and commons. Yeah. I quite like that um, mm-hmm. because it's a bit simpler. It still has a few staples in it, from what I understand. Okay, Signet's technically, I think, it's a common. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But then you get cards that are like you get people who play Popper avidly, like the professor who's like a who's like a YouTuber who does like Tolarian Community College. Yeah, uh, he loves Popper and he like advocates for it, so he's always on the lookout for like cards to get reprinted into common. Yeah. Is there not a, a magic format at the moment, or, or quite recently, mm. that they keep trying to like revive that keeps kind of falling on its arse? I remember seeing an article about some guy won a tournament because that, he was the only player at it. That is like Brawl, I think, which is like that a mini, right, yeah. mini commander. It's like 50 cards and you're... I think it's no higher than the CMC... I can't remember. CMC3, it's yeah. the, the three is the highest... Um, mana cost that you can have it's an right. interesting idea but like as you said there was only one participant and he won the entire prize suite yeah. <laughs> at the uh, official it's also like i mean this is my sort of competitive brain kicking in it's like well that's you see the easy way to break that is build a build a deck full of x spells because they're technically three three <laughs> less than three mana i would like to introduce you to my uh hydra's deck yeah that's that is like three color and x and uh, they are all about making hydras that are basically copies of each other. Yeah, awesome. So you pay Love X. It. Whenever you cast an X spell, you make a hydra that's got X power on it. My commander deck is zombies. It's, it's a good... basically just every zombie card I like goes yeah. in there. It has no particular theme beyond zombies. <laughs> is it? Is it a mono-black zombie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't like got... blue zombies... Yeah, I I got the blue black um, zombie deck that came out with the recent Innistrad set. I just um, made mine like myself. Yeah. It's just because yeah. I I had a black zombie deck, just a normal deck that I built up over years and years from the original Innistrad yeah. block, um, and I ended up with so many different zombies. I just thought I, I just want to like put them all in a deck together. The 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 only issue with it is like 
because you've got the really random zombies that aren't really zombies, but they are zombies, like, you know, like the Theros weird zombies and stuff like that. Gary. Gary. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, they're kind of a bit out of place in it, but I do like him. Gary's a worthy inclusion. He's he's an all-star, really. The best zombie card, like, period, (laughs) pretty much. Um, But I remember, like, it took me ages. There's a... I can't remember the name of her. It's the brother and sister. One's blue, one's black. Oh, um, um, the Royal Scions. Yeah, the and no. they're from no, no, no. They're from Innistrad. Are they not? Yeah. Oh. They're scientists and the necromancer. Gisa Gilcola. Yeah, it took me ages to get her, like, because she's really good for the deck, and it took me absolutely ages to get a copy of that card to put in. And then, did you? Did, you, did I not trade you for that? I think you might have done, yeah. yeah but then they released a bloody it. commander deck that had her in it. Specifically was, in it, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was about to put my deck out the window when they did that. Uh, uh, but I do like that deck. Like I, uh, I try and stick to a theme with these decks. Like Hydra's is literally just Hydra Tribal mm. with maybe a couple mm. of extra cards. But then you have fun cards like Spinning Wheel Kick, which is nice. two, two green and two X. I just imagine like uh, I like it, this is a card where it deals damage to its power equal to X number of creatures, but I can't. I just imagine a Hydra just like pulling on a martial artist gi and just like drop kicking people. I think yeah, this I is it. this is something I've kind of spoke about before with with Josh and, and with other people, both on and off the podcast. Like mm. I I really like narratives in in games, and that includes Magic, unfortunately. Mm. And you just the. There are some instances like a, the Hydra doing a double drop kick that I'm just like, this is stupid. This makes. I, I both love it for being utterly stupid and hate it for making absolutely no sense. In, I, would, in I would. Equal measure. So the way I picture it is, you know that scene in the Godzilla movie where he's like on his tail and like, you know, like kicking, you know, fly kicking towards the, the other. You monster. could justify this however you want. It's still <laughs> stupid. No, I, I'm just amplifying the stupidity at this point. But yeah, I think that that's something that's always kind of, I, I think I've mentioned to like Josh when I used to do uh, tournaments for versus the the Marvel DC yeah. game mm-hmm. card game, and you'd get like people doing the the really broken team up decks of like Teen Titans and like I don't know the Dark Avengers or something, yeah. just because it was a powerful combo between the two, even though it made no sense. Yeah. Um, but well, with yeah, um, with games like that, it's it was easy to like make the narrative because they are characters from stories that you read up to a point uh up to a point, yeah. but you can get silly um mm-hmm. but I, I think like with with magic it's it's such a competitive scene that it's a game i really struggle with because there are so few people that play it for anything but to win like and yeah you know it's it's not just winning is a benefit it's i am going to absolutely pummel you into into dirt i remember like a day i invited barry up if you're listening to this barry you you remember this day because you wounded me uh i was like oh come up and play some magic and he just busted out like these six just horrible broken decks like one of them was like i can't remember what it was and you guys will probably know it because you're nerds but it was like this horrible horrible gate deck from like an old set that basically like stops me playing the game and i was like thanks for this this is great fun like a bunch of sort of chinese and japanese style gates that just like lock oh, the, lock the board down the shrines right yes those are from uh kamigawa original yes yeah um, they're not fun no not at all 
Um, I one of my one of the group one of the people in my play group has a shrines deck, uh, with the new cards from like, uh, Neon Dynasty. Yeah. Uh, as well, which, it's fine when it's in commander because it's like slow enough that you can pick them out. But when you let them sit for long enough, two or three shrines at a time can be a problem because they always yeah. do stuff in an upkeep. Yeah, so, I mean, like, I'm definitely guilty of liking to play competitively. So, like, I do, I like just keeping a couple of the pre-constructed decks mm. just and not altering them at all because then at least I know I've got something that I can bring to the table. If, yeah. uh, you know, if people aren't up for, like, you know, playing really well-tuned decks. Yeah, my problem is that I do, I just like to see a big board state and not yeah. really do much with it. It's like... I made this factory, basically, with my Esper uh, artifacts deck. What is yes. this? Not much. Were you were you the guy, like, when you used to play Command & Conquer Red Alert, you'd build up, like, the really, really symmetrical, really tidy base. Yes. It was immaculate, but never left it. <laughs> yes. I no, respect I, that. I, yeah, that's why I play Satisfactory, because that is just hits yeah. the... I like to see things working to do something. Yeah, but not too much. Used to play with a guy who was like that. We'd we'd play. Uh, this is the going back, right? This is PlayStation One, I think, mm-hmm. maybe two at a stretch. No, it'd be one, and it was when you had to link them with a wire, and we would yeah. we would play Command and Conquer Red Alert linked PlayStations, mm-hmm. and I'd be like building up like loads of infantry and tanks and stuff. And then I got to his base, and it was just like a work of art. And he got really angry, not because I attacked him, because I ruined the symmetry I mean, of the base. I, I, yeah. I, I'm on his side. I fully stand by that monster. <laughs> if you were going to attack him, have the decency to attack in a symmetrical fashion. What was the? No, I properly like ambushed him, like like a proper you know military attack. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, like the, the 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 decks that I liked to play for a while were like the Kaladesh engine deck, where like if you do something, you start a chain reaction through three other cards. Yes, which is like also the blasting station decks from Mirrodin. Yeah, uh, and just this triggers a whole bunch of things, and what do you get at the end of it? A Thopter with like two plus one plus one counters on it. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean. Playing a deck like that is great fun as well. I, I can like this is it like I can appreciate all like all the different itches people want to scratch when they mm-hmm. play Magic the Gathering. Um, I try to I try to adjust my own um, the, the way I play to mm-hmm. to to meet that expect whatever the expectation is at the table, which yeah. like is super important for Commander as well with it being the casual format. The problem I the problem I always find is is like I have this cool thing that does a lot of stuff, but in order to win I have to kill the other player. Yeah, it's like part of part of the way I play sometimes is just like I managed to get this combo to work. Yeah, I, I just want, I just want this cool engine yeah. running. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got these vic- you know personal victory points. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Right, yo. Well, uh, on that on the note of personal victory points, should we draw this episode uh, to a close? Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Fantastic. Rightio. Well, as always, guys, thank you very much for listening. And until next time, take care. Bye. 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 Bye.